Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. Morning Church, uh, my name is Flo Gold, as you heard. I've been coming to Antioch now for probably about 10 years and uh, I've made many wonderful friends um, and this is my church family and I know we have family at home that encourage us and we all have loved ones but there's something special about a church family that helps you to communicate um, and just walk along in your spiritual walk because we understand one another, we like, we're brothers and sisters in God and so yeah, it's good to belong um, to a church family. I've been very happy uh, over the past 10 years. Uh, today's reading is from Matthew 5, 43 through to 48, and it's from the New Living Translation. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everybody. Morning. My name is Yin, and I'm originally from Singapore. I've been a part of Antioch Sheffield for seven years. I came all those years ago as a student and have now come out the other side of university as a junior doctor in Sheffield now. If you don't know me, a fun fact about me today is that I am a perfectionist. You know in the email that was sent yesterday, um, I think we have a picture of it, that N is driving me insane. Like, look at that crooked N. That is the audacity. That's crazy. If you're not sure if you're a perfectionist, my favorite description of what a perfectionist is comes from the very credible source, the online urban dictionary that describes the perfectionist as having to have the qualities that are on the verge of unreasonable and perfect in every way so that it almost annoys one to the very core of their being. Does this resonate with anyone here? Or does it remind you of someone else? Maybe don't raise your hands or nudge the person next to you. I think that's how feelings are hurt. Just be careful. (laughs) It's definitely challenging being a perfectionist, but probably more challenging to be around a perfectionist. A few years ago, a few friends and I went to a holiday in Italy. Um, My boyfriend Alex and I, we visited the Fountain of Trevi. It's very, very beautiful. If you don't know what it looks like, I have a photo of it here. So this is the beautiful Fountain of Trevi. It's, It's amazing, isn't it? It's so pretty, I wanted a photo as well. This photographer did a great job. Look at the composition. You can see the whole thing, the lighting is great. It's a little crooked, but you can edit it on the computer really easily. The only thing missing was that I was not in it. So, 
I asked Alex for a photo of it. There were a few problems, to say the least. Firstly, half the fountain of Trevi was under construction. They didn't even try to hide the scaffolding, it was just metal bars for the half of it. Secondly, this was pre-COVID times, there was no social distancing, we were shoulder to shoulder with everyone else, there was very little wiggle room between people. But most of all, Alex is not a perfectionist. When I asked for the photo, I had this perfect shot in mind automatically. I wanted to see the top of the fountain, a little bit of the nice blue sky. You know, I didn't want anybody else in the photo, none of the scaffolding. And of course, you know, I wanted to look good. It had to be a flattering angle. But strangely, Alex didn't seem to have the same idea. He didn't have this criteria in his head. And it was simply too much to ask to have all these things come together in one single photo. He tried and he tried. I, I promise there was at least 50 photos of the same thing. They are not the same. I want to put that down on record. They are not the same photo. I really tried to go and look for these photos to have photo evidence that they are different photos, but I really couldn't find it. I think it's very possible that I deleted all of them in a half just to forget that it ever happened. But we did locate this one photo of Alex and I at the Fountain of Trevi that our photo took. I think it illustrates how difficult it was to actually get my perfect shot. I'm sure we can all agree, this photo is a mess, look at that! No, you don't agree? <laughs> Let me show you how it is a mess. So this is a photo of all the problems with it. So you can see the roof is cut off, what is that? There's not enough sky. There is such thing, there's not enough sky. There's a shoulder over there, the lighting is all wrong, we are dark and the fountain is bright. And what is up with my hair? What is that loop? This is a disaster. You can see why Alex had such a hard time trying to get that shot. It was not really about his photography skills. It was more to do with my demand for perfection. Now, this is a very small snapshot of how my perfectionist nature can just overtake my brain. But putting that all aside, seriously, what is it like to be a perfectionist? It's different for everybody. If you're not a perfectionist, let me give you a taster of what it's like. It's different for everybody. But for me, it's always, it always comes back to the question of how can I do better? How could I be better? There's always this loud inner critic in my head that's never satisfied. It's always about how can I be better? How can I improve? I remember the smallest of details way before any achievements that I've accomplished. At work in the hospital, I set very high standards for myself. When I first started, I, I wanted to be the best, even if I had the least experience in the department. I wanted to be as thorough as possible, to glean as much information from the patient as possible, even if I didn't really need to. I just never wanted to make a mistake. I used to think about patients when I went home, when I'm supposed to rest at home after a shift, I would not stop thinking about them. There was a time where I would dream about work. So I'll be working in my sleep, and then I'll wake up and actually go to work. In a way, that's good, because I'm thinking about what I could do better. How could I move faster? How could I give better care to this patient, even if it doesn't improve the outcome or the management of the patient? 
However, it also meant that I never rested. I'm stressed all the time. It meant that I was getting burnt out. And the last thing you want when you see a doctor is a tired, overworked, overstressed, burnt out doctor. That is not good for you. For other perfectionists, it could look a little bit different. It could be someone that just focuses on the minute details and just can't move on from them. It could be someone that's paralyzed with fear every time they need to perform. It could be someone that just has a general pessimism about life because they don't want to get their hopes too high just to be disappointed. All in all, whatever it looks like, perfectionism is an incredible burden because the perfection we demand is impossible. And us perfectionists, we know that, but we can't seem to stop ourselves from going towards it. So today, are you chasing after perfection in some area of your life? Are you chasing after that perfect grade in school, that perfect outcome at work? Are you trying to be that perfect spouse, that perfect parent? What about having the perfect spiritual walk? Today, I want to talk about the problem of perfection and what the Bible has to say about it. The perfectionist mindset can be beneficial. You know, you tend to give high standards of work. People often rely on you. You often see the small mistakes before other people do, and you can fix it. So what is the problem of perfectionism? Firstly, life is stressful as a perfectionist. As satisfying as it is to get a good result, perfectionists put themselves under so much pressure to get to that good result. Perfectionists tend to procrastinate because what they want to do is they want to get themselves ready so that when they do it the first time, it is a masterpiece. That never happens in life, which means they don't start work and then time runs out, there is more pressure, there's more stress, and the cycle repeats itself. Perfectionists are hypercritical people. If you know a perfectionist, it might not be the best person to be around when you are down. Um, perfectionists can, can be quite hurtful. <laughs> um, it can feel like they're very hard to please. But really, the person that they're most hypercritical about it's always themselves. Perfectionists are self-conscious people. They're always thinking about, am I good enough for this person? Am I good enough for that person? They're always aware about what other people are thinking. Recently, I had to take my second driving test attempt. I'd like to call my first failed attempt as a driving test trial run, just so I don't have to acknowledge that I ever failed anything. <laughs> I, when I, when I failed my first test, I had a fairly normal response, as everyone does. I know people that passed the first time, but I know even more people that needed a trial run, like I did. So I, I responded quite normally. I was devastated. I was so heartbroken. I had to sit down and ask God all my why questions. God, why did you let me fail? Why did you let me pass? Why is this happening to me? In my, I just, I just did not understand. Um, 
I, I did things perfectly. I went for all my lessons. My instructor thought I was ready. I felt ready. I was so confident that I wanted the perfect run. I did not even want a minor on my record. So if you do a minor fault, you will still pass, and you're allowed a certain amount. I did not even want one of them. But on the day, the unimaginable happened. I struck the curb. Who does that? I've never done that before, and it happened on my test. So I struck the curb. The tester was like, yeah, we're turning right over here, back to the test center. You have failed. And my world crashed. <laughs> in my rants with God, in all my processing with it with God, he revealed to me where my heart was. I had a genuine fear of failure. It didn't matter that failing a driving test carries no consequences. I was more concerned that there was now a failure on the record of my life. My brain immediately switched to, what would people think? My instructor will be so ashamed, my family would be disappointed, my friends will think less of me, my friends would mock me. Of course, none of that happened. In hindsight, probably slightly disproportionate response to the actual situation. He revealed to me through this whole process that all my hard work to get things right in my life, it, I use perfectionism as a defense mechanism against the criticism of others. I thought, if I could do it right and well, you cannot say anything bad about me. And that was important to me. But when I get used to performing to get the approval of others, I learned also to perform to gain the approval of God. If I was a good person and I did all the right things in front of God, then God will approve of me and do what I want him to do. I can earn my way towards heaven. If you're in church for a while, you know that that is not correct. That's not the way God is. But it's such an easy mindset for us to slip into without even realizing it. So what does the Bible say about perfection? Jesus talks about it in Matthew 5, verse 48, which says, But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Be perfect. So this is proof that all the perfectionists are correct. We were right the whole time. It said on the screen, be perfect, just like God. We were right. That is the biblical truth. <laughs> or is it? It can't be, right? It doesn't sound right. So what is Jesus talking about? Why is he asking us to be perfect like the Father? Shall we take a closer look at Matthew 5:48, a much closer look. You can put it back on the screen. So it says, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. The word perfect that Jesus uses here, in the original Greek, it's teleos, the word. And it's a little bit different to our English meaning of perfect. It means to be complete, to be whole. So in Matthew 5, it's a record of the Sermon on the Mount, which is the sermon that Jesus gave to you know, teach us how to live a life that is pleasing to God. 
Matthew 5.48 is the, is the conclusion of the section about loving your enemies that flow beautifully read to us earlier in the service. And we can remind ourselves of what it says in verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So Jesus is advocating the crowd to love not only their friends, people who are easy to love, but also people who persecute them, people who offend them, people not so easy to love. So maybe, with the context of this verse, we need to rethink what does perfect mean. Maybe it doesn't just mean doing good, doing right, doing our best. Maybe it has to be in a larger context of how we view the world through the Father's eyes, through God's eyes. We are complete when we understand that God loves us unconditionally and He wants us to see the people around us, including ourselves, in His eyes and love them as He does. So maybe our pursuit of perfection or completeness is less to do with ourselves but more to do with how we view who God is. So how do we get there? So let's focus again on verse 48, the verse we've been looking at. Let's look at the words Jesus chose. Jesus said, but you are to be perfect. He spoke of perfection in the future tense. In Romans 3, the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The concept of sin is familiar to a lot of us. We talk a lot about it in church. But a useful way to think about sin is in its ancient Greek context, where they use it a lot in archery. Sin refers to an arrow that misses the mark, that misses the bullseye. That means the arrow that goes into the field, the arrow that goes into the wall, the arrow that hits the target board, or even the arrow that hits just the side of the bullseye that is still missing the mark. That is still sin. That means to live a sinless life, you have to hit the center of that bullseye every single time. That is an unreachable goal. So why is Jesus asking us to be perfect in Matthew 5.48, and yet perfection is an unattainable goal? Now, chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, happened before Jesus died on the cross for us. Before the one who never missed the bullseye died on the cross, exchanging all our sin, all our missing the mark, to make us complete, to make us perfect. The good news is, in our time, Jesus has already died on the cross. His work is complete. So we can take this verse in the present tense, but you are perfect, even as your, heaven, your Father in heaven is perfect. But you are perfect. You are perfect not because of how hard you work or how much you try. You are perfect like the Father because Jesus died for you. Because no matter how good of an archer you are, you will miss that bullseye. 
at one point or another. But when Jesus died on that cross, it's as if he came along and picked up all the arrows that missed the bullseye so that they didn't exist anymore in the eyes of God. All the arrows that are left are on that bullseye. So it doesn't mean that we stop aiming for the bullseye. We should, try, we should still try our best. But a big part of it, of being complete, is allowing Jesus to come in, to pick up those arrows that you did miss, to make you complete again. Perfection is a standard that we cannot reach, but it is a standard that's made available to us when Jesus came down to earth. So if we come back to this verse, Matthew 5, 48. It is not a verse that commands perfection. It's an invitation to receive perfection. In other words, I am not perfect by my performance. I am perfected by my position as a child of God. I am not perfect by my performance. I am perfected by my position as a child of God. So what does this look like in reality? I think I find it quite easy to say that I receive God's love, but it's a lot harder to do it in practice. Earlier, I shared about my first failed driving attempt. I had just had my second test last month. The ridiculous thing was I was so much more nervous the second time around. It was a different test center. It was a lot more complicated. There were slip roads that I've never seen before. My instructor was a lot less discouraging. It felt like I was getting worse and worse instead of getting better. I felt less prepared and less confident going into this second test. I also felt a lot of pressure. It felt like I would definitely be an embarrassment if I failed this one. I didn't want to deal with having to tell everybody, oh, I failed again. You know, I, I had to prove myself. My pride was on the line. That's when the bright, big bulb went off in my head. <laughs> I was doing it again. I was looking for that flawless run all over again. And God was just like, do you remember what we talked about the first time? I was like, oh, yes, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I had to choose to set aside my pride and my insecurity that were clouding all my thoughts. I had to give God the space to speak to my heart, to speak into this fear of failure that I've been carrying for so long. And in that space, I moved my focus from what I could do, my abilities, and what I couldn't do, what my flaws were, into what God wanted me to see. And in that space, he allowed me to see what's really happening, what I had to do. I really had to show up and drive as well as I could. It, I could I'm allowed a minor, I'm even allowed a few minors. I did not need that perfect run. It sounds like such a small switch in your mindset, even a logical switch really. It's, it, it makes more sense, doesn't it? But in that moment, the pressure lifted, the pressure to perform left. I felt so much lighter in that moment. In that first test, I was not able to sleep. I, I, I slept maybe an hour or two hours. In this test, I slept so well, and I went to the test refreshed, and I drove as well as I could, and all glory to God, I passed. So if you're in Sheffield, be warned, I'm loose on the road 
But don't worry, I have my pee plates to warn you that I'm out and about. With this driving test process, I really experienced what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And he said this, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest in me. God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses. The weaknesses Paul is talking about here, we're not really talking about sin issues. The Bible is clear that God is not okay with sin. He does not want you to carry sin issues within your heart. The weaknesses here are more to do with pressure to perform, performance issues, the need to perform. So it could look, what it could look like is a fear that you're just holding on to and you can't let go. It could be an anxiety that you just can't quite shake. It could be a temptation that just won't seem to leave you alone. But in all those moments, in your weakness, God still says, that's still perfect. Because in your weakness, you will lean on Him and not on yourself. In your weakness, you will lean on His strength instead of your own. In your weakness, God can move in you and through you to do amazing things. Our weaknesses are opportunities for God to shine through. He can use them to teach us how to depend on Him more and also to show other people how He is transforming us in that area. I had so many weaknesses going into that second driving test. I was straight up panicking and I couldn't stop thinking about all the things I was doing wrong whether it was changing lanes too fast or not slowing down before the traffic light, I was just thinking of all those things. But the moment that I stepped back and asked God to speak into that area, the, pre the panic was gone. The pressure to perform left. There was no more stress to impress. That is available for you as well. I felt so light in that moment. So I want to encourage all the perfectionists here today. You are a blessing. We need perfectionists. They see flaws in the world and go and don't stop trying to fix them until they succeed. You are a blessing. But in trying to improve the world, it does not mean you have to be miserable. It does not mean you have to have a life of unrest. Striving for excellence is fantastic. We should never lose that attitude. But instead of thinking about how well can I perform today, instead think about how can God use my gifts today? Because no matter how hard I try or how hard I work, in my own strength, I am not perfect by my performance. I am perfected by my position as a child of God. So, are you a recovering perfectionist today? <laughs> Don't raise your hands. <laughs> Do you struggle with the overwhelming burden to perform? Well, the good news today is that Jesus has already met the standards that we could never meet. Maybe it's time to ask yourself, what am I trying to protect with being perfect? 
Are you like me? Are you trying to protect yourself from the criticism of others? Are you protecting yourself from a fear of failure or fear of rejection? What if you gave those fears to God? What if you trusted God that He can redeem your failures, that He can redeem your mistakes? To all the perfectionists out there, today we can rest, receive, and rejoice. We can rest from that hypercritical inner voice that just won't stop talking. We can receive God's love that He freely gives to us. And we can rejoice that God can still shine even when we are at our weakest. If you aren't a perfectionist, have you been hurt by a perfectionist in the past? Has there been a harsh comment in the past by someone close to you who is a perfectionist? If that is the case, on behalf of all the perfectionists out there, we apologize. Perfectionists can be hurtful, and I'm sorry are two very difficult words in our vocabulary. But even more than that, you, I want you to know, you don't have to carry that hurt around anymore. Whether it's a perfectionist parent, perfectionist partner, perfectionist best friend, you don't have to carry that hurt around anymore. God wants to heal you in this area. And God wants to make you complete again. Will you receive that healing from God today? Perfectionist is a prevailing problem, especially in our society today. Everything is telling us that we are not enough. We're not fit enough. We're not smart enough. We don't move fast enough. The world tells us we are never enough. But God tells us you are more than enough when you lean on my strength. You are more than enough because Jesus died for you and exchanged all those missed arrows for completion. So let me pray for you before we go into worship. Lord, I commit all the perfectionists here today into your hands. God, we are tired of trying to do things on our own. We are tired of trying to reach a standard that we know we cannot achieve alone. Would you please show us where you are in the situation that we are facing right now? Would you please step in and take this burden off our hands so that we can shift away from our flaws and towards your strength? Lord, I pray that you will show us how you can be glorified in the areas of our weaknesses. I also want to pray for those who have been hurt by perfectionists in their lives. Would you release forgiveness into their hearts? towards those who hurt them. I pray that you will release healing into this place today, Lord. Amen. Let us stand and worship together. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.